joined by Mickey White. And it's a whole new year. It is January 8th, 2019. We're ready to start a whole new year of the Jim and Mickey show. And we start off with a bang because, Mickey, I don't always follow Twitter as closely as I should. My understanding is that apparently you shot down a goose today. Am I, am I understanding that correctly? <laughs> Hi, everyone, and welcome to 2019. And while I consider myself more of a duck person, um, I did have a run-in with a goose this morning on Twitter. And for our listeners to fill in all the background, because Jim thinks he's being so very funny, um, y'all know that I'm the Bachelor watcher of the two of us. I don't make Jim watch it. (laughs) I watch it. I do make Mr. Bias watch it, and he will suddenly decide to get up and, like, that's the time that Shiloh needs a good hour and a half walk. (laughs) Like, he'll sit down, like, oh, yeah, I'm totally going to watch this with you. And then he'll be like, oh, I got to take the dog out. Sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to miss this. You'll have to fill me in on what happens. Um, So I do this for you people. And and I watch The Bachelor and I've been watching, as you know, I watched The Bachelor at last season. I'm not sure that we actually did a show about Bachelor in Paradise, but I did watch that over the summer because, you know, I'm a horrible person and I find these things entertaining. And they're bringing Temptation Island back, which we could probably have an entire show on how much I enjoy it. And the rest of the world thinks like that means we're all going to hell. I don't care. Um, great show. But anyway, I watched Bachelor in Paradise and there was a character and I say character because it's a reality show. So I could say that he was a, you know, one of the bachelors, you know, suiting the bachelorette. But I mean, we don't really know if this is what his personality is really like or not. But he was someone who she liked and they ended up going on dates with and whatnot. And he made it to where I feel like he was like top five or six, which shocked me. Because, and you probably remember this, even though we didn't discuss it on air, was there was this guy that I kept telling you reminded me of Ben Stiller's character in Dodgeball. (laughs) Not the paragon of masculinity uh, you'll be looking for. Yes. All right. So was this the goose? This is it. This is who he reminds me of. And this, guys, this guy is the goose. Now, I'm, I'm telling all of you this because there's a couple of important things about this guy. One, I didn't know his name until this morning. Two, <laughs> and he's this is... Goose. Yeah. yeah well, yes. And it was because... I'll get to that again. But he got broken up with here in Richmond. It was the episode they filmed here in Richmond, Virginia, is that when he technically got broken up with. But it was because he went completely insane because she went on a date with another guy and he, like, left the hangout spot where the bachelors were Mm -hmm. and walked in the cold over to her hotel here in Richmond Cork hotel. There's a little shout out and tells her that, you know, he's upset with the way things are going as though he's never watched the show. Uh, So he, this is where he got off the bachelor and becoming this fall to ABC, the stalker. Um, Correct. Right. So he gets kicked off this. He, she's like, yeah, you know what? This isn't working out. Maybe you should go. And he does. And so ultimately he ends up in bachelor. Or paradise and for some reason he was a hot commodity there like women were throwing themselves at him and i didn't see it but whatever you know i i, I don't understand i don't even pretend to understand what young women want these days and um they're looking at him and whatever and because he's getting all of this attention he starts wearing a little headband around his head like mr miyagi a la daniel sun style and referring to himself as the goose Okay. Now, as I, I saw this exchange, is it that not that anyone ever nicknamed him this? He doesn't resemble a goose. He does not honk. He is not teamed up with Tom Cruise in Top Gun. Uh, but he just decided this was his own nickname. Yes. Okay. And I thought there was a rule. You're not allowed to give yourself your own nickname. Otherwise, we would all be like, you know, a striker or something. Or I you don't know. know, but I just don't feel like you're ever allowed to give yourself your own nickname. And I'm fairly certain that he did. So and on top of me already believing that he was like the Ben Stiller character in Dodgeball, <laughs> now he's literally acting it out on screen for me. So as you can imagine, I'm not really a fan. And as it turns out, he found love. He found love on Bachelor in Paradise. Well, last night was the premiere of the new Bachelor with the really exciting Virgin Bachelor, because that's a big deal. And Colton, who is a hottie, is the Bachelor this year, and he is a virgin, and everybody cares. But for some reason, they had 
the goose and the girl that ended up dating him, which now I have a great deal less of, you know, thought about her. Anyway, dating him, the two of them are sitting in a hot tub in a parking lot for no apparent reason. Wait, there are hot tubs in parking lots? Apparently I've been parking in the wrong places. Well, they had this like random live introduction. Mm -hmm. And I believe that it was to compete with the national championship game. I was going to say, yeah, this strikes me as you you are the very small demographic that would watch both Mickey, I suspect. Correct. Yes, probably. But I believe that it was to compete with both. And I just flipped back and forth because I could not take it. All of the live stuff that Chris Harrison, God bless him, had to do before this and during this was not right. And some of the people that had to participate, including the goose and his girlfriend, um, I believe her name is Crystal. Um, which makes what I'm about to tell you even funnier, sat in a hot tub, drank champagne all night, and they had random strangers lined up to, quote unquote, get in and out of the hot tub with them and have a drink. Now, I don't even want to get into how I feel about public hot tubs because (laughs) I carry like little things of like chlorine and bleach with me for a reason. It's all I'm saying. And they're just... Oh. Was this open to the public or other bachelor or bachelorette contestants were coming in and out? Or was it getting in the hot tub with him and his fiance? So it's, it's just like a public one. Like you go to the public, you know, yes. the resort so, yes. or on the cruise ship or whatever, you go and you, yeah. I he's got a mic in his hand, they're talking to each other, and I happen to tweet out, I don't like goose. Because again, I don't know this guy's name. Um, and then a little bit later, I said something about like the fact that I can't, I can't remember if I said that I didn't like him again because I just kept thinking it mm-hmm. or if I suggested that, um, you are not allowed to give yourself nicknames yeah. and the self-proclaimed goose type thing. And suddenly, you know, didn't think much about it, talked with very few people about it last night. Cause as you've mentioned, my poor followers on Twitter have to tolerate me. Like what I love about, they start out watching the bachelorette with me. Right. Mm-hmm. And they fall like, Oh, this is someone else who watches the bachelorette. I'm going to follow her. Boom. I get a follow. Then like three tweets later, I'm talking about the Steelers or talking about the defense on the jets and boom, they're gone. But I get another one that's that <laughs> and then like i'll start talking politics and let's just face it at that point half of them jump ship boom gone um so it's always very interesting to me to see how they respond to this and again no one really said much of anything they were common here or there until this morning when the goose himself responded <laughs> and was, was it just a I'm, I'm picturing either honk 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 or um uh, you know yeah. <laughs> well um he wrote back Jesus, you need help or you need something. I, I don't even know what he said. Mm-hmm. How funny is that? He wrote back something to the, and you may have it pulled up there in front of you for the full exchange, but his response was, Jesus, get a life or something along those lines. Wait a um, second. Get a life? You're, you know, like his whole, his whole career or, or, you know, celebrity status such as it is depends upon people like you watching the show like what you know, like what why would you care about uh you know my dating life well you're on the bachelor right <laughs> i mean what and, are you, what are you doing if not to put yourself out there to be judged by the viewing public on a dating show well ways why you, yeah, yeah. I, I, you're absolutely 100% right but the important part here is the the egregious tweet that he came across talking about goose being a douchebag i believe is exactly what it said um said that the goose was a douchebag. There was no reference to his real name. There was no hashtag to The Bachelor on it, which means this guy, who apparently is named Chris, I found out today, um, since he responded to me, this guy had to have been searching Twitter for the specific usage of goose. Like, not just his name. Theoretically, you could be really upset with Anthony Edwards' performance in Top Gun. Right. But like, think about, think about what that says about ego wise. Like, cause that's like me going into Twitter and I'm not searching, like, I'm not searching Mickey. I'm not searching biased girl. I don't even know, like a nickname that you've got. I, I, I feel like me going in there and searching Makaka. Cause that's what Christiana calls me. Um, and expecting to find tweets about myself. That would be pretty self-centered. I would think. When do you get to that point, Jim? I just want to, okay. You, you Can I make your day, Mickey? Please. Like I don't all the time. But anyway, so I went and just, you know, just having, you know, hold up the exchange on my phone as we're having this conversation. 
just gonna let you know you've got about five thousand more Twitter followers than he does. So Oh, do I really? Yes, you do. There. So really you should stop picking on these small time people, Mickey. I need to stop punching down. Punch you're not down. Me. Yes. I see. I, I, you know what? I, I, you're right. I owe the goose an apology. Um, can you see there now that you actually have it up in front of you what his direct quote was? Because I wanted to be able to quote him. It is. Do 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 do. Jesus, I feel sorry for you. Because uh, oh, you said it, you, you'd said he was a uh, he was a a d bag to to clean up the language a little bit. Oh. Um, and this observation, I want to thank Tracy Jeffords, who noted people named Goose always die before the end of the movie. <laughs> now, we don't know when that's going to happen. Yeah, uh, Florida Bot uh, observed, you are searching your self-given nickname on Twitter. She is correct. Uh, <laughs> in Virginia says, I feel sorrier for a guy so insecure he feels the need to nickname himself. Search for comments about him from strangers on Twitter then respond rudely to folks who don't like the persona he's created on network TV for fame and a paycheck. Now let's point out that, um, again, we, we, we assume as far as we know, this, this gentleman, Chris, he might be the nicest guy in the whole wide world when the cameras right. aren't like, on him. I, just, we, I agreed. You know, this I, is presumably a larger than life persona created for the, you know, the contrived drama requirements of, of reality television. But, uh, you know, and you I play, will give you all of that, but if you play the character Goose, yeah, you, you know, should see, you know, and, and you may know there what I responded to him was an actual Goose. <laughs> yes, it was a perfect use of a gif there. Um, yeah, I was going to say that, uh, and maybe he's just responding in character. Uh, well, at some point, you know maybe, maybe I should reach out to him since, you know, obviously I'm a bigger Twitter star than him and <laughs> see if we can get him on the show. What because would you... I would like to discuss with him how he came up with the nickname Goose for himself mm. and, and if he could defend it. You know, it would be absolutely fascinating to have someone, uh, on, uh, on our program, who's known for reality television and playing someone like who was um, uh, Jersey Shore guy. Um, the situation. There you go. The situation. The situation. Or in Ireland, they call him the Troubles. Um, the the <laughs> idea that you know, the idea that you go onto uh, reality television and you play this exaggerated figure and then bring him on the show and they could talk about the Pythagorean theorem and uh, division of powers and, uh, you know, Puccini's operas and stuff like that to show off. This oh, Lord, I hope not. Different... What I would want yeah. is a lot more gossip. Okay. Probably. But I'm saying the idea that you have someone who has this completely different personality and, you know, emphasizing how much reality TV is, is not real. Um, but yeah, that's why I'm not that into, in fact, I, I'm trying you know, you have to look for rare occasions. I will even glance towards, uh, uh, reality TV, but I'm kind of underwhelmed with. I know um, you're above it most of the time, and I don't care because I am not. I am below it. I am beneath it. I am all in it because I like to be entertained, and I don't care how it happens. Highbrow um, and, and lowbrow. Highbrow and lowbrow. Like you know this to be absolutely 100 true. Um, I can appreciate the great literature, and I can appreciate some really good South Park. So. Here's the thing, though. What I also explained to Mr. Bias last night was that he should feel fortunate. One, because I'm a girl who likes football, right? And I don't make him sit and watch things like all of the housewives programming, like, because there's real housewives of, like, every city in America now. Yes. And I don't make him watch any of those, like, none. I don't even make him watch any of the TLC programs because I don't like those either. He gets to watch a, watch a great deal of, like, NFL Network and ESPN because I like that, too, granted, but he does get, like, probably more of that than most dudes with zero complaints. All right, so I was going to say, since I have you here, and it's been in the news quite a bit lately, uh, our two teams may be intersecting soon in that apparently a good chunk of the most talented players in the Pittsburgh Steelers are now disgruntled malcontents, uh, <laughs> not just Le'Veon Bell, but also apparently Antonio Brown. I think people would have said about a year or two ago that these were, you know, two very big pieces of the puzzle for the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Le'Veon going to be a free agent. A lot of rumors the Jets have the deep pockets to, to sign him. And now Antonio Brown apparently wants a trade or something. So first of all, Mickey, how likely is it that neither one of them will not will be with the Steelers next year? And how do you as a Steelers fan feel about losing these folks 
since I from you retweet a lot of this stuff, it feels like there's a big split in Steeler world about those. But who, there is. Yeah. Um, and and I, let's let's begin there. There is a huge split in Steeler world world about one how we got into the situation, whether it's the fault of the organization or the fault of the administration or the fault of the coaching staff or Tomlin or the players or how did we get to this? Um, I think to some degree, and it's one thing that has not been looked at, but the um, the players league themselves, the players union themselves, and some of the stipulations that are required. Um, allow for some of this behavior to continue um, and then the owners can do very little about it. Um, so while we do have behavioral clauses and there are things like that that are included, there are a lot of things that quite frankly you just can't control. So here is where we find ourselves. And Le'Veon Bell, as far as I'm concerned, he can go. Um, I don't care where he goes. I just hope he goes quickly. And the sooner the better. I think that the best thing we can hope for out of his situation is they go somewhere else and we're able to pick up a quarterback in like the second or third or quarterback, a running back in the second or third round. Mm. Um, I wouldn't, I absolutely would never take another running back in the first round. Um, but that's just me. And of course, I also say that knowing I'd never had a chance at someone like a Saquon Barkley. Um, but having said that, I think that that's something that's really important. So Le'Veon can go. We'll handle him. Now, the A-B thing hurts a little bit, primarily because he feels much more like family than Le'Veon ever has. Le'Veon's kind of always been that cousin that you tolerate. <laughs> um, and now nobody wants to tolerate him anymore. Whereas A.B. has been the kid who came up from nothing. Like he was emancipated in his, as a teenager. Like he lived on the streets. He really lived a very rough and difficult childhood. Um, and he truly pulled himself up by his bootstraps, got himself into college playing football, and was drafted in the sixth round. And ultimately got his first major payout because of the work that he put in behind Mike Wallace, who we as the Steelers let go to at that time, um, the Dolphins and Antonio Brown got his money. And it was close to $20 million on that first wide receiver contract for him. Um, and so to see him now acting like a prima donna diva is like, it's irritating. I get mad at him. I want to call him a brat sometimes. But at the same time, I'm like, should we be worried about him? Yeah, I was going to say, it, it, these two are going to get lumped together. And obviously, I did it in the lead into this conversation. But it's, it's actually two very different situations that you know, Le'Veon uh, Bell wants to get paid. Uh, I believe the Steelers offered him more money than any running back had ever been paid. But he believes he deserved more and could get more on the open yeah. market. You know, mm -hmm. uh, it was Brian Fawn had asked me, uh, you know, what do I think of the Jets pursuing Le'Veon Bell? And I responded with a gif of Paul Giamatti saying, I want it, but I don't want it. Uh, <laughs> that this is this is a very talented guy, but any guy who sit, he was willing to sit out an entire year uh, is good chance he's going to bring a bunch of headaches if at any point mm -hmm. he feels disrespected or underappreciated or, or undercompensated or something. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, is it is it worth the risk? Look, if you're a team in a situation like the Jets are, probably. But you prepare yourself for headaches a year or two down the road. Antonio Brown, it sounds like he doesn't get along with Roethlisberger. And, and it sounds like it's very much a personality conflict and not, you and know. And this is hilarious because you realize they've been playing together for the entire entirety of Antonio Brown's career. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know who A.B. thinks throws those balls. That he sets all those records with, mm -hmm. but they surely do not throw themselves. Um, yep. In fact, the two of them have usually gotten along really well. I do believe that the the real problem is not necessarily Roethlisberger, but the fact that Roethlisberger has said and very publicly said this year specifically that he felt like Juju really deserved to be one in the Pro Bowl and he thought he deserved to be MVP. And that would be Juju Smith-Schuster, which, of course, you know, is opposite A.B. And A.B. is a jealous little brat, apparently. Um, my number one concern is that we are able to fix things with A.B., to be completely frank. And it's not about money. It's not about that. It's about other things. And, like, I don't believe, just so you know, I don't believe that there's really a rift between him and Ben any more than any other wide receiver quarterback. I mean, the breaking news basically was – wide receiver wants to get the ball more yells at quarterback <laughs> like well no shit that happens every huddle i'm gonna say to make you feel old i believe it was now we're coming up on 22 years since Keyshawn johnson wrote just give me the damn ball 
Um, right. Really I mean, like, this is not breaking news across the board anyway. So I, I'm, you know, Without I really this persona felt... Cuba Gooding Jr. would not have uh, not have an Oscar. Right. I mean, that's this is this has been around for a long time. It's the yeah, like... wide receivers to want the ball more. Um, you know, of course, they're prima yeah. donna. It's what you know, that this is the glory position. This is also next to quarterback, probably the highest risk position other than maybe poor kickers uh, like oh. that guy in Chicago. Uh, because if you drop the ball, uh, everybody knows you did it. There's, you know, if if, yeah. if you don't block a guy all that well, people might notice. They might not. Uh, there are a bunch of positions where you know you can kind of what you do can get obscured. When you're a receiver, all eyes are on you, and uh, you know that's that's well, for better think, or for worse. I think something else to kind of bring this back to the whole Jets Steelers tie-in is that you may recall a few years back, Santonio Holmes, mm-hmm. who who you know at one time was a great player for us. He was the Super Bowl MVP, in fact. Um, who ultimately got traded to the Jets for, I believe it was a bag of Doritos. Yeah, it was, um, it was a trade or it was a free agent signing? Um, it was in the Rex Ryan days. And uh, yeah, he did it because we got rid of him for behavioral issues. Yes. Um, and we really did trade him for, I believe it was like a fourth and fifth round draft pick. And at that yeah. time, he was like Super Bowl MVP. So understand that the Sailors are not above making trades like that if they feel like it. Um, they've kind of leaned away from it recently, but I, I will be curious to see what is done in the off season. I do hope that we can work things out with AB. And I also hope that, and I, I hate to say this, like I'm about to say it is, but I know a lot of this has gone to his head, but I legitimately hope that someone is near him. Um, like Drew Rosenhaus, his agent or someone else speaking some sense and making sure that he's not, you know, making bad choices because of place that he is mentally or something. Yeah. I mean, he's, he, I don't know whether he's burned a bridge, but there's just a lot of gasoline that's been poured on that bridge. <laughs> he's playing yeah, with matches, right? The Steelers are exceptionally forgiving if you win. Mm-hmm. Um, Steeler fans as well. And like I said, I think in this case, we've already had it out with Bill. I think Steeler fans are ready to let him go. I think with AB, we'd like to see him stay, but there are probably people who would be like, you can carry that your ass and that little mink coat that you showed up in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, if... Uh... It ever happened in a Steelers life happened last week. And that would be, of course, not not finding out that A.B. and Mike Tomlin and Ben and everybody's caught up in some conspiracy theory put together by the sports press. But that Antonio Brown appeared on the Fox show, The Masked Singer, and was seen singing on live television. Well, not live television, but on television dressed as a Hip hop hippo. <laughs> so he's getting traded to the hippos. That much we figured out. Okay. That's yeah. Just... So you can imagine my delight yeah. when he took off his mask to reveal who was underneath it. <laughs> and everyone had figured, oh, yeah, it's that receiver for the Steelers. So uh, um, I was going to say, so it's possible. Not like... like to say the least, this has not been a banner week for Steeler fans. No, no. <laughs> So it conceivable Le'Veon Bell and or uh, uh, Antonio Brown end up uh, in New York City in the not too distant future. Uh, Mickey, I have a question for you. Let's put aside the Jets. Okay. What do you think of New York City? Dodging the question, actually. How do you feel about your Jets taking on one or both of these? It's funny. I was going to say, you mentioned to Santonio Holmes. Uh, I can think of games where you're particularly back during the early Mark Sanchez era. Where Santonio Holmes made some great clutch catches and, and it was terrific. And then I believe at the end of his time with the Jets, he had he was fighting with teammates, he was pouting, he was told to go on the field in the last game of the year. Jets had long since been eliminated from the playoffs, and and you know, it was a game in Miami, and you're just playing out the season. And at some point he you know fought with teammates and refused to go on the field and you know became just so blatantly insubordinate. I think the team cut him, and I kept waiting for Santonio Holmes to get signed with somebody and I'm sure our listeners will correct me if I'm wrong. If I remember correctly, Centennial Holmes never got signed with anybody after that. I think you know, two teams, you wear out, you're welcome. The third team is a little less uh, likely to say, okay, he's worth the trouble, he's worth the aggravation. I'm trying uh, to my expectation is you can see a quick yeah. sign, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Right. You right. can get one or two more good years out of a guy before his personality issues and, and temperament become uh, uh, and too much of an obstacle. 31. Yeah. I mean, the, the, t- the clock is ticking on some of these guys. Um, but I, I, I segue here, Mickey, to ask you, what do you think of New York City separate from the Jets? Because I had an interesting experience that I'm curious about 
you know, we there's you know, the old sign, I love New York. And obviously, you know, even aside from the sports teams, lots of people love to hate New York. As a uh, native central Pennsylvanian with, with you know, <laughs> deep cultural ties to Pittsburgh, when I say New York City, Mickey, what do you think of? Honestly, mm-hmm. I don't like New York City. So when I think of New York City, I think of filth. <laughs> Too many people. That subway smells like piss and I don't care what they say. Um, I think it's a place that if you live there and have been born and raised there, it's very much like the people that have, you know, never seen outside, um, their own culture in Africa, very similar. Um, I think the people that choose to live and stay in Manhattan are somewhat afraid of crossing bridges and tunnels. And (laughs) they're vampires. They can't cross running water. Something like I, as you, you won't see me, let's say talking endlessly about how much I love the lights of New York City, going to the plays in New York City, spending any time in New York City. The only time I go to New York City if that is if that is the only place where, it, where I can do what it is that I wish to do. Okay. Is that like being like, you know, uh, work-related? Well, yeah, I can't leisure? go see the Statue of Liberty somewhere else. Okay. That's a good point. There you go. So I asked this because uh, late last week, so I grew up in a small town in New Jersey called Metuchen. Uh, exit 10 on the turnpike for everyone who needs to know that. I describe myself as growing up south of The Sopranos and north of the Kevin Smith movies. Um, but culturally, it was very clear, you know, about 30 miles from New York City. Uh, we were very much, uh, you know, suburbs or on New Jersey transit. Um, so I grew up not just rooting for the Jets and the Yankees and, and all that, um, reading the New York Post and New York Daily News and watching New York television and dad worked in the city. Uh, would go into the city every now, you know, probably every couple of months or so. Um, did all the things you're supposed to do in New York, the museums, the, you know. And so I kind of, you know, feel, you know, somewhat tied to New York City, but never actually lived there. Uh, I, you know, listeners know I have two sons. And up until this past weekend, they'd never actually been to, inside New York City. We've driven past it on a trip. Um, and the missus and I are like, okay, well, we got to take them up. We should, you know, we got a couple of days off. Uh, Authenticity Woods Public Schools decided to have an incredibly long winter break. Um, Love my children. Went on for, you know, 16 days. Struck me as a little <laughs> a little long. It's fine. Um, so we had, you know, like, okay, let's go up. Let's spend a day. We'll, you know, uh, we'll, we'll do a day in New York City. Um, enjoyed it. I, so I certainly enjoyed it. We did, you know, we did all the classic stuff. Empire State Building. Uh, we got went down to uh, Wall Street. Right near there, there's a place called the Francis Tavern which is uh, the second oldest building in New York City, which was where we got into this because this is where the opening scenes of Hamilton are supposed to be set. But basically, this is a tavern that's been operating on this spot uh, going back to the Revolutionary War. And so it's got this amazing museum on top, all about uh, Revolutionary War spies. The, the boys are Ooh. eating this up with a spoon. Uh, we went down to the battery. We, we, you know, we, debate, we didn't have time to do the, the ferry to the Statue of Liberty, but you can see the Statue of Liberty in Ellis Island. Mm-hmm. Um, Went up, met a family relative. We did Times Square, which was amazing. We went to Rockefeller Center. They still had the Christmas. You know, we did all the stuff you're supposed to do in wintertime in New York City. I had a ball. The missus had a ball. And I think my sons were kind of uh, sensory overload. Um, and part of That's it is... possible. Is, yeah. Now, listeners of this program might be thinking, you know, oh, oh how clean is Jim's mouth? Uh, you know, when he's not recording. Well, when my boys are around, I really, really try hard not to use bad words. <laughs> in New York City, the same rules don't apply. And so they're hearing the F-bomb, they're hearing the S-bomb, crazy guy in the street screaming his head off, you know. And my sons are like, you know, oh my, daddy, he said the S-word over and over again. Yes, yes, son, I know. Um, and it was it was great. And so I don't, they walked away not wowed with New York City. And oh, look, we kind of knew going into it that, you know, every every time that would happen, I would say to the boys, boys, welcome to New York. <laughs> you know, this, this is New York. <laughs> See, because you explained planet. it like it's another planet. Right. Exactly. And, you know, they they'd, the crowds. Uh, we took the subway three times and did not get on the wrong train once. I was very proud of that. Good job. Um, yeah, but look, these guys are growing up in suburban Washington, D.C. in Northern Virginia. And obviously, Manhattan is a, yeah, is a phenomenally different environment. But I was curious about, like, how many people had gone to New York City. And, you know, we hear about how it's magical and it's, uh, you know, unlike any other city in the world. The New Yorkers believe it is the greatest city in the world. Uh, certainly unparalleled experiences. But how many people go to New York City and say, Ugh, you know, 
I uh, just just find it overwhelming. And I, I do want to make the observation. It's possible one of the reasons I think so well of New York City is that I've never actually lived there. Um, only traveled there for work and grew up pretty close to it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Again, I don't get it because I'm not a, oh, I love New York person. It's cold there. It's dirty there. If I were going to like pick a favorite city on the East Coast, it would most definitely be Miami. Um, and if we're going, I guess, Northeast Atlanta, I, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea why people like it there. Right, Atlanta um, is the uh, is, is Northeast. I, well, I, I I can't say I don't like DC either. I mean, um, it's northeast of somewhere, <laughs> right? I don't know, but I'm like Miami. I like. I'm just trying to think of places I like better than New York and that that are large cities. And I keep coming up with the ones that are in the south because they're warmer and cleaner. Like Charlotte is gorgeous and obviously much smaller, mm-hmm. but again, so because here's the thing about New York, um, and specifically New York City, because you know you say New York and you think the whole state. No, it's the New York City, the people who live yeah. in Manhattan, specifically on the island. Um, they only know that. And so as we've discussed, it is a bit like being on another planet. Now you're introducing your children into it. Now I would ask you, Jim, your boys are, you know, fairly young, but they're getting into the tweeny, right? Mm-hmm. Years. Oh, yeah. Um, and so does it concern you that your children are so um, secluded from, or I guess, protected in that bubble from the S word, if you will? Yeah. Uh, oh, they, they definitely are aware of it. Uh, and they've, they've heard me, you know, hit my thumb with a hammer and uh, uh-huh. let out all and kinds so, of well, leaving a tapestry of profanity um, <laughs> in, in circumstances like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a, I look back on on how I was raised and this this sense of you know was I too sheltered was I too protected I, you know oh good is, that you brought that up and not me continue I was gonna say, this yeah. is where Mickey can yell yes you know um, you know was I kind of naive in, in certain ways and you know, look my you know, my parents are doing the best job they could to kind of you want to introduce your kids to the reality of, of the world which is not always a nice place but you want to do it at a, at a measured pace that you know hey boys there are some places in this world where people will scream profanities you know seeing homeless people. Uh, you know, many of whom look like they probably have very serious mental health problems and, and definitely mm-hmm. would be better off in some sort of institution that would treat them. Um, you mentioned the well, smell. Remember, Jim, this is clean. the cleaned up Disney version of New York City. Yeah. And this, you know, that's the other thing, which was that I mean, I should spend some. OK, then the other weird thing. So we're down by the battery uh, going by the Staten Island Ferry Terminal. We just come from lunch and we're headed towards a spot in the battery where you can see the Statue of Liberty. And there's one mm-hmm. tour guide. Uh, now, here's the thing. Somebody's offering you, you know, handing out flyers or something like that uh, on the street. Mickey, what do you do? Often I either ignore them or I'll take it and then throw it away. All right. I mean, I, you know, I have, you know. You take me, them. I know yeah. you take them. Nope. No, I ignored them. I would say. Oh, do you I, really? Anyway, so, you know, for, for CNN International and a couple other folks, I used to go up to New York, eh, you know, once a, once a month, twice a month even. Um, and you get used to dealing with crazy people in New York or people handing stuff out or people you just mm-hmm. don't want to deal with. You know, eyes straightforward, don't make eye contact. And generally, don't, and I was walking with my wife and the boys and I just walked past this guy and he just started after, you know, he was, sir, you know, because he wants to give out tickets to the, the ferry to, to uh, oh, no. you know, something. And sir, sir, and he gets mad, and they start saying, you know, uh, then first of all, he says, Mickey, um, I guess we don't speak English in this country, uh, which, you know, <laughs> now I know you're a bunch of, well, here's, the, here's the great irony is, you know, here I am, you know, I'm really bad at any of the language except English, right? So he's, you know, <laughs> but apparently he thinks I'm, you know, Lithuanian or, or something like that. So I kind of just turn out, and then he, you know, then, you know, uh, the missus does not take this well. Now, here's the other thing. Oh, I was just about to ask how how yeah. Liz campaign spot handled this because she and I are much more on the same like temper level. Well, here's the thing. The great irony, of course, is that, you know, sometimes I will deal with certain individuals. You, you've heard me deal with phone salesmen or something like that. Oh, yeah. And I will like you, you and Dave shuddered when I when I, you know, brusquely told off someone who would call you know, a, a, a telemarketer. Right. I, mm-hmm. you know. You call me. I didn't ask you to call me. Oh, you can uh, I don't, be cold. You know, I, I, you know, uh, brunt and blunt and brusque is how I would describe it. Apparently, I can come across mm-hmm. much angrier to other people than I think I do. Oh, absolutely, yes. And, you know, the, uh, the, the weirdo at Media Matters at CPAC, you know, every once in a while, I will, you know, flash a little <laughs> bit of temper. 
Uh, and that strikes me as an appropriate level. And um, I have not you mean had the way I had to grab your arm and be like, come on, Tim, we're leaving. Now. Right, you know, I, no restraining <laughs> orders have been filed yet. Um, but, it, but anyway, so here's this guy who all of a sudden starts <laughs> screaming that we're rude and we're teaching our kids to be rude by not responding to him. That's what made Mrs. Oh. Campbell really, you know. Uh, but afterwards, so she starts, you know, giving him, you know, jawing back at him. So now I'm in the situation where I have to pull my wife off of, uh, <laughs> and, and the other guy, you know, tour guide guy, there are a couple of them. First of all, that's the other thing. These, you know, for besides all dear people who hand out, uh, uh, tickets or discount tickets or coupons or whatever the hell it was to the ferry to, to Liberty Island down outside the Staten Island ferry terminal. You have four or five guys all doing the exact same thing in the same place. If I said no to the first guy, I'm not going to want it from the second guy, right? So first of all, disperse your people. This is a very bad misallocation of your resources. Um, <laughs> but then the second thing is like, if, I, if you call out to me, sir, take it, you know, I don't have to respond to you. I'm under, there's no, no obligation on my part. Uh, now, I look, for all I know, this guy may have had a really rotten day. He may have been told that if he didn't, you know, hand out all of his tickets, he'd get fired. I don't know what's going on with this guy's head. <laughs> You're making New York City sound like it is when you land in, like, Mexico or somewhere else in South America. It was a little bit like that. And I've been in Mexico and Turkey and lots of other places where, you know, this, the salesmen are relentless and stuff like that. Yes. Course, all this is happening in front of my boys who are, you know, the nicest, sweetest guys. Uh, Jay Nordlinger said they're straight out of a, a Norman Rockwell painting. Um, and all of a sudden they're watching mom and dad with this, you know, aggressive sales guy, uh, you know, screaming at them. Or Did something. either of you get arrested? No, no. And, uh, excellent. Fact, excellent job. Good yeah, visit. I, you know, uh, there, there was like the temptation to escalate was there. Um, but I did <laughs> not, we were there to have what? a nice family day. We chose not to, but again, like, again, you, you know, for all the flaws of Washington, DC, I don't think you'd have that kind of experience. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe for, you know, there was something quintessentially New York about it. Right. That, you know, only in New York would you get yelled at for not taking some guys, you know, two dollar off coupon or something like that. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yes, because so, you're the rude one. Yeah, I, I'm 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 the wrong one or something. But uh, mm -hmm. you're the rude one for not speaking the correct language of the New Yorker. You know, that's the other thing. Well, here's the thing is that so, uh, you know, if this guy had you know, what if we had been immigrants? Right. What if we hadn't spoken English? What do you know? What, you know what are you... <laughs> shame, shame, gentlemen. Shame, shame. Well, what? you know, I mean, it, it's one of those things, again, very New Yorkian, and that they would deny that what you just suggested ever even happened. Yeah, oh, there's that. So, yeah, you know, it's what Mickey, why is this the sort of thing that never gets denounced in a Golden Globe speech? Ah, uh, uh, the Golden Globe. How's Globes. that for a segue? Well, I, I didn't even know we were going to Golden Globe, so I'll take it. Um, but I will say this. I was probably one of the four people that did actually watch the Golden Globes um, this year. It's my understanding ratings were absolutely through the floor. And, I, you know, it, it's actually usually my favorite one to watch because they have open bar there. I was going to say, this is the drunk one, right? This is the yes, one where you get more Yes, this is the one that I look forward to because usually they've been drinking, you have funny stories, and sometimes they come out later. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes that happens live. This year was pretty tame. Um, they did a very weak introduction to um, the Golden Globes. That It just wasn't funny. Let's just put it that way. I don't know why they mm -hmm. keep insisting that one, we need to be like amused by these entertainers who come out and host the Globes. I mean, literally, they could cut the whole thing probably down to where it would run within time um, and a reasonable time if they just cut out all the skits that nobody cared about anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, I say this about every award show. Yeah. I was going to say, Andy Samberg has made me laugh. Um, I think Sandra O, oh, the only thing I saw her in was when, you know, Mrs. Campaign Spot would watch. Uh, Grey's Anatomy, and she was fine in that. God bless her. There him. was a really awkward moment <clears throat> in the opening monologue where they're, you know, they're making jokes back and forth, and everyone's, but they're being like super nice. And that's like the mean jokes are not really mean, they're just really nice. But anyway, at one point, they're making these jokes back and forth. Sandra O oh looks at the camera and she's like, starts going on about seeing diversity in the audience and. This is their moment and how proud they are. And at the beginning of it, people are laughing because they think it's part of the jokes that were also not funny. Um, <laughs> but as it Ugh. turns out, this was like a kind of she was being very sincere. Mm -hmm. um, and she flipped the switch on everyone and was exceptionally sincere and like caught up in tears and walked off. It was just really awkward. Yeah. Yeah. I did see people discussing, and it was our, our my colleague Kyle Smith, and the observation, like, 
Yes, it was. You know, if you want to look at Black Panther and Crazy Rich Asians as being, you know, triumphs for for seeing diverse faces in film, wonderful. But it also helped that Black Panther and uh, Crazy Rich Asians were both really good movies, right? Right. I mean, you 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 didn't have to be black to you know appreciate Black Panther. You didn't have to be Asian to appreciate Crazy Rich Asians. They were both in you know particularly Crazy Rich Asians. I would argue almost old fashioned movie making, right? I mean, you know. Uh, Black Panther is something of a uh, any any one of your Shakespearean Hamlet, um, oh, you know, absolutely. prince ascending to the throne, the responsibilities of command and rule and all that stuff. Uh, and Crazy Rich Asians almost felt like an old Broadway musical about star-crossed mm-hmm. lovers and two different worlds and rich and poor and all that stuff. Two very well done movies that happen to take place inside of a culture outside of what I guess we've discussed this before as being the Wasp culture. Yeah, and. Um, you know, Okay. Here's the thing. Here's what I would like to see moving forward. I would like to see more movies featuring blacks and Asians and Hispanics that are not just about blacks being slaves or Asians being, you know, the target of the Vietnam War or, you know, yeah. it's 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 very troubling to me that a lot of the movies that are made, not that there aren't heroes of that era, mm-hmm. but there are heroes of this era. There are stories to be told in this era that I think would be um, in some cases, more inspiring yeah. and uplifting Universal than themes. what they tell. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Well, why? Are, so I saw about a billion and one commercials for streaming services during um, uh, during the Golden Globes. I watched probably for about an hour in there, uh, Mickey. Um, mm-hmm. So the good news is, True Detective is coming back, uh, yes. and it's. Can, can you pronounce the star's name? Maha. God. Ma. Mahatma Ali, is that it? I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm saying it wrong. But anyway, the guy I like from Moonlight. Right? We all like this guy. We all really yeah. like this guy. He's a real actor. And um, and it, it starts this weekend. I'm super excited about that. HBO's Mahershala got some... Mahershala Ali? Is that Mah- yes. Yeah. Mah- yeah. Mahashali Ali, something like that. Um, anyway, needless to say, love this guy. Great actor. Um. He was just recently awarded at the Golden Globes for his role in um, Green Book, which is another amazing story. Mm-hmm. Um, are you familiar with Green Book? Uh, I was not familiar with it until it won everything at. Uh, uh, were you familiar uh, the with Golden... the story behind it? I should say not so much until I saw it. And now all of a sudden, because of all the trailers and all the times they played clips from it that night, I feel like I'm more familiar with it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I would just encourage everyone to go ahead and read up on it go see the movie it's a fabulous story about a man who decides that he's going to go and find places basically where black people can feel comfortable in the way that they can travel and he puts together a book based upon that and it's kind of amazing hmm. um i was going to point out that uh you know for the trailer the one or two commercials we saw for true detectives third season Mickey, is it just me or are they going right back to the um, what made it best, which is kind of this story over a long period of time? Yeah. Um, the idea of a case that really haunts certain detectives, uh, rural setting, I believe it's going to be the Ozarks. Um, you know, just just going back to, you know, you know, different actors, not exactly the same thing. I'm sure it's going to be a different kind of crime, uh, but much more, you know, the, the tone of season one than season two, which I think will uh, absolutely. absolutely. You, you and I gave season out. two a lot of yeah. every possible chance to succeed and just did not. Didn't, and and didn't it was work. hard because I, you know, ultimately I was entertained by season two, but it just wasn't that good. Yeah. Um, and season three, what I've seen of the trailers, what I've seen of the extras leading into it, having him in as an actor was a huge decision because he is so good. I think that helps carry much like first season. Um, but again, I think the storyline, yes, we're talking about something that takes place over a number of decades and a case that is haunting to him and his partner, who is oddly played by Stephen Dorff. So that should be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I just think overall what I've seen, yes, I think it'll be closer to season one and I'm much more excited about it than I was previously. So they did a good job with the trailers. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Um, yeah. Oh, I saw you, you generated your typical uh, uh, Twitter excitement when you said this week's golden globes were all about the cleavage. 
Um, <laughs> whose Golden Globes were shining the most, and uh, okay. why? Like, and how is it really different from previous years, or is that stand? Oh, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. No, this was a look. Um, do you remember years ago, J Lo showed up, and I think it was like the MTV, maybe it was the Grammys, but she was wearing that Gianni Versace gown that was cut all the way to her belly button. I, I was going to say, I, I'm going to say I don't remember it, although I have vague pictures of something. I'm sure most male Everyone listeners will say, yes, yes, we know exactly which yeah, one. Yes. That particular dress was, was exceptionally scandalous because, yes, it was green. Okay. There you go. Yes, Thanks. the green one. Cut all the way to her belly button. Um, exceptionally scandalous when she wore it. Every single gown, it felt like, on Sunday night had the same cleavage line. Um so there was, and when you said, you know, who showed the most, I have no idea. There was so much. It was everywhere <gasps> because every dress that came out, they had these deep cut cleavage lines and it was, it was, it, obviously it's a look. I would tell you ladies, it's a hot look for obviously some people, not everyone don't try it. So just, you know, keep that in mind. It's part of, I assume, the fun of this, you know, we, like, I think it was the, the response of Kyle Smith was like, guys, you're the Golden Globes. You're not the Oscars, right? This this is supposed to be the fun one, uh, and as a result of that, you'd assume people would have it's not it's not quite the Met Gala in which people were going to dress up like Halloween costumes, but you know, mm-hmm. again, if you know, if, which if is the this, best red carpet in the world, right? I mean, like you know, you're the whole part of the point of this is to see what you know how who how how your favorite stars look when they're all dressed up and and all that stuff. What's his name? Um, I get irritated uh, when people are all like, "Oh, she wore a suit. I just loved it." I'm like, no, I didn't want to watch this to see somebody wear a suit, specifically a girl. Like, this is your opportunity to wear, like, any any dress in the world that you want, really. And so I judge them harshly if I feel like they've made bad decisions. Now, now maybe it was the timing, Mickey. I did. I was rather surprised to learn that Idris Elba, uh, the illustrious British actor, he, he looked like he was dressing up as a mascot for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, a very interesting right black and emerald green combination. That, uh... Just because Idris Elba can wear a green tuxedo does not mean you can. Yes. Or anybody else. Like, just so we're clear, I'm using the royal you, everybody. He looked hot in it. Everyone else will not. Yeah. Yeah, kind of safe to say. Um, yeah. So I, w- I think that that's fair. And it, it, the other thing was, it was interesting. He and uh, Taylor Swift came out, and I think it was was it over best song or best music. There was some sort of like, quick, let's have a category for music and have Taylor Swift in there. So um, it was, I, I believe it was for best original song because that okay, was the Lady Gaga one. For oh, that's right. Okay, and that's right. And I wonder how you know how many. Now, <clears throat> one of the things that I wanted to talk about with our listeners, and I'm just going to go ahead and call this a PSA. Um. I can't believe people are this dumb, but here we go. If you have watched the movie Bird Box, ah! do not, I repeat, do not try to leave your house with a blindfold on or drive your car with a blindfold on <laughs> using only the GPS to drive and park it. Um, do not walk through your neighborhood trying to figure your way through. You will get hit by another car. So um, just a little thing out there. Apparently, it's being called the, quote, bird box challenge. I'll put that right in the category of the Tide Pod challenge and tell you not to do it. Also known as the Darwinism challenge. Um, <laughs> right? Like, so, who has to tell people that, everyone? So question, question one, Mickey. Did you watch Bird Box? I did. How was it? I found I actually ended up watching it before all the hype blew up about it, so I think that was probably positive for me. Um, I immediately found out that it was a drama, not a horror. Mm. I found it to be interesting, but that's primarily because I like Sandra Bullock. I thought the storyline was very, very interesting, but I think people might be disappointed to realize that the real story is about Sandra Bullock and the two young characters, boy and girl. Mm than it I, is about some scary creature out in the world. I, I was going to say, because you know, when you're like, oh, wow, you know, Sandra Bullock, you don't usually see her doing a horror movie. Um, mm-hmm. And the idea is that, well, it's technically a horror movie, um, but it, you know, and I'm, sure this is, I'm sure this is how they got her to do it, to say, look, psst, this, is, this is really just a family drama uh, with the trappings of a horror movie outside. Now, yeah. I, I have not watched it. I am intrigued by the- That is exactly the, what you're looking at. Yeah. 
the analyses who say that the, uh, the by the way, you know, spoiler alert, I suppose, although it's really more of a theory than a uh, uh, than actual factual information in the film, the idea that the the scary monster in the film is actually a metaphor for social media. Uh, it is this force that makes you feel terrible and makes you do self-destructive things. Um, I know the irony of this which will probably be shared all over social media, uh, but the idea that, you know, which is all interesting. I, I think it's that I don't. I think not... that they gave it way too much thought. How's that? Okay. Yeah, Here's not... what I would tell you. I, I, whoever wrote that, God bless them. I'm sure they had like 1500 words to put down, <laughs> but reality is I think they probably gave that a little too much thought. Um, people got a little caught up in, I guess, what caused people to, I, I don't know, like, it, basically, if you see it, something bad will happen, unless you're a person who can see it, and nothing bad will happen. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's really the, the thing is, like, you know, good is good to some people, and bad is good to some people. Mm -hmm. Um, again, family drama, not really horror, but... I, I, like I said, I found it to be very interesting. There were moments that I found to be, I guess, you know, I guess you'd put it almost on the thriller category where you're like trying to figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's worth a watch. I do not feel like it's worth putting your blindfold on and driving your car around. The yeah, like, so is bird boxing now this, this game or something like that? Or, you know, yeah, well, like, like I said, you know, as people are dumb, they came up with a quote challenge similar to the Tide Pod challenge where it's called the bird box challenge. And apparently they are strapping themselves up in blindfolds and, walking around their neighborhoods and driving their cars and trying to do things with their blindfolds on because these characters do everything with their blindfolds on. But what I would like to tell the morons that are doing this is that even the characters in the movie have a system. Like, they're not just out there winging it. So it's a system that they had developed over time to make these like to drive to move places to go things to walk places etc um so don't think that you're just going to put on a blindfold and somehow magically act like the people in this movie which is also a fictional film i, I was so. going to say also it was, it was, it was my first thing also they're actors right <laughs> they're like actors, i I, you know? I cannot believe that that's really happening but i swear to you netflix actually put out a warning saying like please don't attempt to do the bird box challenge at home. Okay, because the other thing which I had encountered uh, got got retweeted into my uh, my uh, line and my my uh, Twitter timeline, and I was not uh, so apparently there is so bird boxing because like oh okay so the, the you know, it's the title of it the the, the very evocative image of uh, Sandra Bullock and other characters walking around with with blindfolds on. Mm -hmm. um, Apparently, there is a club in in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, that has done a bird box mansion party. Which I guess you know. So apparently, bird box is now just a synonym for being blindfolded because the flyer mm -hmm. features you know women wearing blindfolds, blindfolded shot for shot challenge. Um, Mickey, the the strength of the alcohol does not change whether or not you're wearing a blindfold. <laughs> right. I mean, oh. I get. You know, I don't know. You know, maybe it does make your alcohol sensors go up. What I would think is that you're probably going to drink more. Right? Yeah, because, you know, you can't If see. you're at a party where every single person is blindfolded, including you, if you aren't drinking a lot, like, it's going to be a real long night. Or I, know, I know they're pitching this as being sexy and mysterious and exciting and all that stuff. But Mickey, am I crazy that all it's going to have is you banging your knee on the table <laughs> as you stumble around uh, on you know the, the the coffee tables and into couches and into chairs and into other people? I'm picturing broken glass. Yeah, and you know, drinks on dresses on people everywhere. Really knocking over um, the bottles as you reach for them. Yeah. Yes, like again, yes, it does sound a little sexy, I suppose, but the idea of everyone running around blindfolded does not sound cool. Right. To me. You, you'd you'd think you'd want at least some people not wearing blindfolds, <laughs> just just to guide people through uh, around any sharp corners, shall we say? Well, and again, the whole you know, if you're at a club to meet someone, <laughs> I met the best guy last night. I have no idea what he looks like. Uh -huh. Maybe that would be interesting—a way of getting people you know, right? who can who can really charm you and who can really attract you without, uh, without being able to see them. Well, and with the mansion party, I think that's probably what you're really looking at there is that's going to be, end up being some kind of hook 
hookup party where they don't have to worry about the furniture because the furniture is mostly like couches and stuff. <laughs> Let's let yeah, I can, I can, I'm picturing them saying, "Remove anything hard or sharp from this." Right, uh, exactly. This like it's they're just all kind of rolling around in like a adult rubber room. There you go. Yeah. So. No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> Ah, oh, all right. So you know, maybe we'll do the next uh, the next Bachelor episode. We'll be at the 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 blindfolded mansion party. That actually might be a really interesting, funny, funny episode. I can see the blindfolded uh, mansion party of the Bachelor, where he has to pick who gets to go home based on how they talk, hmm. not based on how they look. But unfortunately, see at this point, he's already seen them, but he may not remember what they actually look like yet. Hmm. So that might be the way to go. Um. I think that would that, that would be. I think if nothing else, watching everyone stumble around would make for one hour of, of very entertaining television. Um, you had also mentioned earlier that there is a a familiar face. Is this returning to drama television or to reality television? Lindsay Lohan is alive and 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 if not well, well enough to do a, a television <laughs> show. Is that correct? Th- that is correct. And here's the thing: I decided to again, I sacrifice for you people to try and get through the premiere episode of what is being called Lindsay Lohan's Beach House. It's uh, a- that doesn't sound good. No. And it's a show on MTV. And so I sit down and I thank the Lord above that on demand I'm able to fast forward. So I'm like, yeah, I get through some of this. And what I ultimately discovered is that Lindsay Lohan has opened several clubs in Europe. And she is now opening a beach club um, in Greece, in my, excuse me, in Greece. And her plan is to have these young people run it and um, think, think, what is the show where they all work at Sir Latov, uh, what is it, the uh, Vanderpump show. Okay. That one, very similar in that it's going to be about the staff. It's not really going to be about Lindsay so much as she's going to show up and yell at them and tell them that she, they're ruining her brand and they need to act right. Like she's going to be the big bitch. But she's got this guy who's been her friend and business partner who's kind of running everything. And then they've brought in all of these American, quote, VIP host, party hosts, et cetera, who are there to, quote, make sure that the you know guests have a good time. Mm. And you can, and in the beginning, they they allow them to talk for an extensive period of time, which is why I could not make it through the first one. And apparently, the show is a great deal about them and their interactions with each other more than their interactions with the. In other words, somebody had an idea for a a show, and they need the name uh-huh. of Lindsay Lohan to get it on air. Okay, I was gonna say while you're you're listing all that, I, I was actually googling. It looks like Lindsay Lohan is in, in you know in relatively good shape. Um, oh yeah. She looks fine. Seems like but she's, you know, I, I don't mean, to, I just also mean like, you know, not like, you know, uh, no visible signs of addiction or running crazy or something like that. So, you know, if yeah. that's the thing, if she's gotten her life together, hey, good for her. God bless her. Agreed. Agreed. I was just slightly disappointed in finding out it's that that's what it's called Vanderpump Rules. And I don't know why it's so I might but, but the idea being that, of course, you know, this is all about Lindsay Lohan, but in fact, it's really not. It's about the staff members and she owns the beach club. So she's only brought in kind of like that, that the scolding person, you know. It's like the, uh, it's, you know, it's going to be like my boss, Lindsay, or something. Yeah, right. Oh, um, also, like boss. I said, clearly the plan was to find as many hot, dumb people who were willing to have sex on camera. It's MTV, right? I mean, that's, yeah, that's, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I'm formula. not the demographic, clearly. Like uh, sometimes you watch things and you're like, yeah, this was the uh, not for me. And, say, some people are gonna say Lindsay the boss, and people think, oh, oh, yeah, what, what things really changed for Lindsay Graham? I, I, <laughs> very nice. Well, one of the things that we also discussed, kind of wanted to talk about a little bit this week, was the fact that it, you know we talk about old things. Let's talk about Lindsay Lohan, and let's talk about masculinity and when that was acceptable. Oh yeah, so because yeah, this one was one of the things that you had brought to my attention. I thought was at least worth mentioning to our listeners, um, because I, I, you know, Jim, we live in very strange and unique times. Yeah, so uh, wrote about this in the the Morning Jolt newsletter a bit today. So the American Psychological Association, which is kind of the trade group for for psychiatrists and psychologists, mm-hmm. uh, basically issued this new report and and just studying you know how to treat male patients, and and one of the conclusions was. Traditional masculinity is is bad, is harmful, is uh, is you know 
And, you know, I will not surprise you that uh, I don't agree with this. And I suspect that this, this has all the markings of a bunch of activists jumping in uh, and taking over a, you know, and, and, and causing a previously, let's say, apolitical, non-ideological organization uh, and steering it in a, you know, into, you know, a much more radical and controversial position. What do uh, they determine to be masculine characteristics that are okay. bad? You ready? Traditional masculinity marked by stoicism, competitiveness, dominance, and aggression is, on the whole, harmful. Um, you know, stoicism, of course, is, you know, trying to uh, stiff up her lip, the idea of not falling apart in the face of adversity, uh, carrying your burdens with, with great dignity, competitiveness. Look, I mean, you know, I feel like Tom Brady would disagree with you. Right. And this you know, list. I, you, you, there's a whole bunch of you. Know, I, 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 it's like the only two groups who I think would disagree with that are most men and Mickey, arguably most women. <laughs> right? Other than that, they're covered. Yeah. Right. Only everybody. Yeah. I don't understand because I don't understand, obviously, as a woman, why you would want to take away those things, because one, they're part of our nature. And that's not just for men. Some of those things are built into women as well. Yeah. I, I, so it's I, really I, much assuming that, like, women can't be competitive or aggressive. And we absolutely can be and are. I was so, say, again, a sexist study about you know, something that ultimately is probably going to be a sexist topic that they're going to beat somebody over the head with. And I like my men to be men. Like, I'm sorry. That's, I, I don't want to see Mr. Bias running around in, you know, a bunny romper unless we're going to some type of pub <laughs> crawl. Like, on the regular, I don't want to see that. I, 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 Mr. Bias, I can't even picture that. Um, I mean, look, when, when they go down that list, I'm going to observe, did any one of those traits that they list as part of traditional masculinity, could any of them go too far? Sure, you can be too stoic. You can be too much in denial of, of your pain and, and problems you got. Can you be too competitive? Sure. Can you be too dominant and aggressive? Sure. You know, um, can you be I, too little of those, though? Yes. Yeah. Can I, you be I, a big crybaby whiner? Yes. That's number one. Like, that's the opposite of stoicism in my mind is that. You, I also don't want a man who sits around and whines and cries about his feelings all the time. Yeah, and by wants the way, that. these things, you know, I'm going to go, you know, honing on, on honing in on stoicism. Uh, maybe that doesn't come inherently to us. Maybe that is something that needs to be learned or encouraged by society. And look, no, if you if you got real problems, go talk to somebody. Go talk to a therapist. Talk to right. a friend. Let it all out. You and I be the last people in the world to tell people bottle up your emotions until it explodes. Having right. said that. We are also the kind of people who'd say, you know, life is life is going to kick you in the crotch pretty regularly. <laughs> that, that's yeah. you know, that's that's pretty much a given. And so the question is, how do you respond to that? I you know, I really kind of enjoyed going on at length um, in the Joel today, Mickey, ob observing that like we, you know, on the one hand, we want a comfortable life. We we want to you know avoid pain. We want to avoid adversity. Um, but if you really have a life that's that's got too much of that, you don't grow. Right. I mean, like none of us, you know, the good times don't really help us become better people, help us become stronger. Help, you know, if you look back on your life, it's always the hard times. You're like, wow, that's really when I uh, was mm -hmm. pushed to my limit. I had a worthy adversary. I had a challenge, you know, and that's when I was at my best. So, again, it's not to say I, this is not, you know, hooray for pain. This is not hooray for going through. No, but bad I think times. it's fair to say that by taking away those experiences, they're learning experiences, yeah. not just to, you learn things, not just about yourself. We learn things about the world. If you're not exposed to that, then you end up with what we discussed earlier, which is underdeveloped men going out into the world who have no idea what to expect it, or it, how it, to handle it. Because you can't, you can't go into a workplace situation with the idea that you can openly just start, you know, blurting your emotions out mm. because you feel like it um that's just not how things work so i think that it's important to kind of teach that balance yeah and it's a a recognition that uh it's it's pretty much impossible to do anything worthwhile in life if you always run from adversity mm -hmm. i mean it's just it's just you know at some point you got to face your fears you got to face your challenges you got to um, anyways, my, my colleague David French wrote something uh, really great about this, and he cited one of your favorite people in the whole wide world, Mickey the Rock. Nice. Uh, and the slogan, you know, blood, sweat, and respect, right? You know, you, yes. you give blood and sweat, you get respect. And it's not, you know, this doesn't mean he's, you know, running around like, you know, sucking blood out of people. <laughs> you know, it's just a recognition that, um, you know, effort and often a certain amount of, 
if not tolerance for pain, and we don't want to say, you know, like hooray for pain or anything like that, but like tolerance for hardship, tolerance for a certain amount of sacrifice. Um, that's what it requires. You read, you know, Jocko and, and you know, all these guys. Even so, I, I think that it's not even so much tolerance as it is understanding that accepting the fact that that is a natural part of life mm-hmm. and understanding that it's your job to overcome it. Yeah. And eventually, hopefully, confidence that you can overcome it. A certain, you know, right. sense of strength, a if sense of, like, I can you put a handle- challenge out in front of your kid yeah. and they're okay. never able to overcome it, do they ever believe that they'll be able to overcome things in the world without your help? Yeah. A, a test of parenting that I am still undergoing, and I hope I get through, letting your children fail. Not easy. Oh. You want to give them happiness. You want to give them, see them succeed. You want to see them the best. Uh, but just as you know, when they were learning to walk, you know, if every time they they stumbled, you rushed over, they'd never actually learn to walk on their own. So anyway, you know, you got to crawl before you can walk. But I feel like we're, we're hitting our stride, Mickey. I, I think that we are, too. And I am so glad that everyone decided to join us um, this week and glad we were able to get some recording done. Um, we do look forward to being back with you guys in the next couple weeks. You can always listen to us at soundcloud.com forward slash Jim and Mickey show. <clears throat> Excuse me. You can also find us on iTunes or anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. Please do share, though. Tell your friends all about us because the more listeners, the better. And uh, I'm Mickey White. He's Jim Garrity. We'll be back very soon. And you've been listening to the one and only Jim and Mickey show.